You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Audio of it, it's it's not quite as. Well, we had four different quality. mics going on. We, well, we had four different mics, and that sound and an gets echoey lost. space. The sound, the sound gets lost. I'm looking forward to doing another one of those very soon. Yes, as am I. I can't wait. Do you have a you have a movie in mind that we might uh, do in front uh, of a live audience? Yes, yeah. It's a sequel to a movie that we've talked to already. Oh, talked talk to talked about in I, the past. I think I know what you're talking uh-huh. about. It's going to be it. a surprise. Don't spoil it. Like the Smurfs, it's a surprise. <laughs> Wait, is that the movie, The Smurfs? Is that what we're going to be <laughs> yeah, doing? Yeah, that's what it is. But the animated one, this, the magic yeah, yeah. flute. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, the magic flute. Yes. Is that the porno version of The Smurfs? If you really want to think pornographically the, with the with The, the magic Smurfs? skin flute. You, dude, you are disgusting. <laughs> you are disgusting. I don't know who you're going back home to and they're telling you, like, you are the funniest part of that podcast. You're so clever. Keep being Nobody perverted. Nobody says that. Keep being perverted. Nobody fucking says wonderful. that. Joe, everybody is effusive about their love for you no, on, no, on no, this no, podcast. No. Who's that professional? I love professional? that word. Effusive? I love that word effusive. I just pulled it out of my ass. Yeah, didn't you I? did. It's I didn't write it down in my notes this some week at all. Stank on it. <laughs> uh, this is the editing bay on the Next Wave Radio Network. My name's Joe. Mine's Joel. And this is where we come to talk about movies. Uh, sometimes they're bad movies. Sometimes they're movies that are just misunderstood. Uh, and then we bring them to our court and put them on trial. And uh, then we come back here and we talk about them with each other and with you, our we, lovely Editing Bay listener. And then we execute them. And then we execute them. We don't them. like them. But, uh, but we're doing something a little bit different in the uh-huh. month of December. Uh, I, I, inspired by Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> uh, have you seen the latest epic rap battles of history? No. Ellen DeGeneres versus Oprah. Oh, you're kidding. Amazing. <laughs> it's so well done. Topical. Uh, so no, I, I decided you know, we would do a month of our favorite things, mm-hmm. movies that we really love, because we focus so much on movies that are... Um, for the most part, kind of abysmal. You know, we we get those uh, Escape from Tomorrow or... Thanks Killing. Thanks Killing 3. Yeah, it's on the top of my list right uh-huh. now. Uh, and so it, it's nice to kind of cleanse the palate with something that you know you love, something mm-hmm. that you've got a long-standing history with, uh, and kicking things off because this week is going to be my annual Die Hard Christmas party. Oh, I'm the so eight, pissed. 18 years. What? Uh-huh, this is the 18th. Oh, and on the 18th one, you found out it wasn't his? <laughs> We want prenup. We dude, want prenup. Dude, yeah. Stop it. <laughs> uh, all right. So we uh, we've decided that uh, that we're doing our favorite things, and this week it's what I would call probably the greatest Christmas film of all time. <laughs> uh, I of course am speaking about Die Hard. <laughs> say, of course. <laughs> what? Where did your love for this movie come from, John? Uh, it came, I was I was young. This was when it, it, I didn't see it in the theater. Okay. But in in the reason why. Because I'm pretty sure if my folks were still married, uh, I probably would have seen this in the theater. My pops probably would have taken me. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it was like every other weekend my pops would, you know, take my sister and I for visitation or whatever. That's cool. And uh, and every once in a while we'd go see a movie or whatever. But Die Hard was definitely not the kind of movie dad could take both of us to. Oh, so yeah. we were definitely able to go see, like, Goonies because he could take my sister and I to Absolutely. see that. Absolutely. Ghostbusters, my sister and I could see that. Gremlins. That's a uh, Christmas movie. Gremlins, uh, like your, the Star Wars movies. Okay. We were able to see those. But... 
Uh, not Die Hard. There's no, no way. There's, there's no so way much cursing in this there's movie. There's so much cursing in it. Not that that was a problem. Like, I was watching Rambo with my father when I was oh, a kid. Really? You know, we'd be watching it on TV. Uh, and Dad was never really overprotective about the movies that we, that uh, we Yeah, watched. clearly. Uh, I would go and have sleepovers with my buddy Sean Murphy, and we'd watch, like, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, uh, Friday the 13th. And the thing was, our parents knew. They knew that we were watching it. But it was a different time back then. Like, that was dressing up like Jason or dressing up like Freddy. That was really popular for kids our age Oh, yeah, to I do. remember. And nowadays, like, if your kid wanted to dress up, like, at, at 9, 10 years old, and your kid wanted to dress up like a serial killer from yeah, a movie, I know. you can't, you don't see that anymore. You get the school counselors making phone calls exactly. and visiting parents. But that was, that was kind of normal. But Die Hard... It, it kind of flew under the radar when it came to like the theaters, but I do remember all the trailers and everybody making jokes about Die Hard batteries and you know brought to you by Sears Die Hard batteries. You know, I was thinking about that. Just the, those two words put together. Uh-huh. Like I, I, I know when it comes to the battery, it's talking about this is hard to kill. It, it dies hard. Uh-huh. Is there a double entendre going on with the uh, the the title of this movie? Then no, like you're gonna John McClane. He's hard to die, but he's also hard to kill. people die. Hard People in this die, movie. die very hard. <laughs> you know in what this I mean? Movie. Uh, so yeah, no, it wasn't until this film hit video, and then my mother was—I think she was she wasn't remarried yet, but she was seeing this guy my, who ended up being my first oh, stepfather, yeah. uh, who was horrible. Uh, but <laughs> he was a huge fan of action movies and stuff, and oh. so he rented Die Hard, and that's where I saw it the first time, and I loved it so much. Like I, I drew like homemade comic books, interesting about John McClane running through buildings and killing terrorists. Interesting, and stuff. despite that your father-in-law, uh, not father-in-law, My stepfather, father-in-law, your father-in-law, wow, <laughs> pump the brakes, Joel, <laughs> your stepfather, who you didn't, uh, you despised. I guess yeah. is that too strong of a word? No, 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 no. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not too strong of a word. But it, <laughs> at this point, it wasn't as it wasn't severe. Like we didn't okay. get to that point. Okay, especially uh, not until after we moved to Texas. But obviously, this movie doesn't remind you of him. Or no. Point where it no, has no, no, a no, negative no. connotation. Nope, no, it it doesn't. No. This is a this, this is a film that from the moment I first saw it, I loved it, and I've probably seen it. This is the movie I've seen the most, just under The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, like, what? I've I've seen this movie so many more times. than episodes four and six. Oh, yeah. of Star Wars. Oh yeah, interesting. I don't get that. I don't understand. It's not sci-fi. There's nothing fantastical about it. <laughs> Are I'm you just kidding? Did you see the part where he jumps <laughs> off a fucking building with a hose wrapped around his, his waist? Hey, that could happen. That's science fucking totally, fiction. It's, it's physics. Did you see the gas prices? Yes. That's science fucking <laughs> That's fiction That's one of right my there. notes when it was like 74 cents <laughs> and there wasn't a two or anything in front of it. So if you were to look at Die Hard from an objective point of view, it, it really is the story of Santa Claus. Like... Instead of going down, instead of going down a chimney, he's going down an elevator shaft. Okay, uh, he does. He makes a list, and he writes it on <laughs> his arms, true. and he punishes the naughty kids. He, he does say ho ho ho. Uh huh. He sure does, and he says yippee kaye, <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, That's where you lose the Santa. So, so, uh, so no, this is a story about John McClane, who's a New York police detective. Uh, and he comes to L.A. for Christmas. That's where his wife and his kids live. And obviously, his wife is estranged. There's, there's a, uh, they've, they've separated for, for all intents and purposes. They've separated. Yeah. She's gone back to using her maiden name with the company she works with, the, the mm-hmm. Nakatomi Corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, we, I, and I didn't pick up on it because that, I, this is only the third time I've seen this movie, by the way. Whoa. The second time was at your house Wow! Uh, last year, I guess. And Holy then the first shit. time, I know everyone's in disbelief here. <laughs> Put your hands down, Jeff. It's okay. It's, it's normal for people not to have seen a movie like this. I'm telling you, I wasn't no. allowed to no, see. No, it's not. Well, I was, I was a very sheltered child. I wasn't allowed to see rated R movies in theaters. They or didn't really show even Die Hard in Beeville. No, they, they probably did, but I was, I was too young when it came out. Yeah. I didn't the, have. Uh, God, that's right. Yeah. You I were know. the same age as me. I am the same. Yeah. So you weren't too 
too young when it came out. I was too young you when it came out. 1998 or 88? You couldn't go see it by yourself, but oh, your, your folks wouldn't take it. You, see no. no. I don't know your parents. No, I mean, <laughs> no, look right. at me with this disgusted, <laughs> like, no, idiot. Well, I'm just saying, like, I was, I was uh, yeah, no, yeah, if, if they're sheltering me from, um, oh, I'm trying to think of a, of a tame movie. Well, Golden Child. I really wanted to see the Golden Child in theaters when that came out. I, I think I snuck into that one, actually. Because, uh-huh. um, you know, it was like dragons flying around and Eddie Murphy. Um, Where? When was there a dragon flying around? Or what, what does he turn into at the end? He turns into, <laughs> he, he, he sprouts turns wings. Into, he's like, like a, a demon. horrible claymation demon. He's like a demon. Whatever. It looks like a dragon. In my head, he's a dragon. Anyway, <laughs> it looked cool in the commercials and got uh-huh. Eddie Murphy and you like him because he's funny from the other movies. Um, but yeah, there was all no- those other movies you saw as a kid. <laughs> well, I, I knew him from Trading Places. I knew him from the uh, the the best of SNL VHS gotcha. that was on heavy rotation. Well, in that's my house. that's good enough, I guess. But yeah, didn't wasn't allowed to see that, so certainly not going to get taken to to Die Hard. Okay, uh, so so John comes to to LA and it's in the middle of the Nakatomi Christmas party, uh, and that's where he tracks down his wife Holly. And you know it, it starts off with them having like a, a little argument. You know they they've they've pick up right where they left off. Obviously, where you know they're they're having they have relationship problems. They don't you know he doesn't understand where she's coming from, and uh, it's it's all kind of a mess. In the midst of this, you know this Christmas party, the Nakatomi Building gets hit by a group of terrorists mm-hmm. uh, who who hold everybody hostage, uh, and and it's all kind of a ruse. Just so they could get the bearer bonds that are in the vault of yeah. the company, and this is uh, we should mention they're they're German terrorists because when you say terrorists nowadays, you expect you know somebody of Arab descent. They're international terrorists. Yeah, I but, would rather say because not all of them are German. Like Marco isn't exactly uh, okay. a German right. name, nor did he look like a German fella. Which ones he is? He the he's black? the guy that's like you've run out of table. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And he looked a little more Spanish. He was Spanish, <laughs> and then you had the black uh, smart the brainiac Theo. guy. That's right. Was Claren- his name? Theo? Clarence, yeah, his name was Theo. <laughs> Clarence Gilliard III, who well, you might recognize well, there, from Walker, Texas. There's Rangers. my recast right there. Guess who's playing him? I met him. <laughs> the actual Theo? Clarence, Cal- Clarence Gilliard, was the guy a, who played Theo in the movie. Was he at a convention? No, like, he was in an episode. He was in Walker, Texas Rangers. He oh, was, that's why you met him. He okay. was his partner, and I, I was filming a few episodes of the show and ended up going and having lunch one day. And, oh, no. And, and he sits down, like, this guy sits down next to me, Uh-oh. and and I can't remember why, like, I, I don't, maybe I was sitting in the wrong place, but this dude sat down, and he just started eating, and he started, like, talking shit about the other extras, <laughs> and he's like, look at these people, they all think they're going to be somebody, they all think they're going to make it, they're all going to, and you know what, oh, none wow. of them, not, not any of them are going to make it, and they're all, they're all nobody. Oh, so this is and after. I, t- I turned to him, and I go, that's funny. I don't recognize you at all. Whoa. I don't know who you are. Oh, you're a hero? And one he, of your heroes? And he he's not one of my heroes. Well, from one of your favorite movies of all of He all is time. from one of my favorite movies, and I didn't recognize him oh, from, from Die Hard. Because black people all look the like, same to you. He like just got his shit and got up and like walked away. <gasps> no way. And I didn't even I didn't realize this till the next day. I was in high school still when I filmed this. And I went to school the next day and I was telling them about this thing. I'm like, you know what? That there's some guy that was working on Walker, <laughs> Texas Ranger, some black guy who's talking shit about the extras. And I told him, I'm like, you know, that's funny. I've never heard of you. And he got up and he walked away. And this b- friend of mine, Josh, goes, dude, that's Theo from Die Hard. I went, what? He's like, fucking Theo from Die Hard. I was like, oh, oh my God, I just pissed off Theo from Die Hard. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that happened circa uh, 1995, 96. That's hilarious. And where is Theo now? <laughs> I don't know. See, there you go. I so think you're... they did a Walker Texas Ranger reunion movie or something. <laughs> so your uh, your comments ring true. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So what follows is pretty much a game of cat and mouse. John McClane staying 
uh, for all intents and purposes, one step away from the terror, or one step ahead of the terrorists. One step ahead of the terrorists. That's all I got. I was just going to no. sit here and watch no, you no, bob back and forth <laughs> when you just sing that first part. Well, like, this uh-huh. is a it's a visual medium, clearly podcasts, uh, <laughs> so it works well. So the spoken uh, word you you are introduced to the Lex Luthor to Bruce Willis's Superman mm. in Hans Gruber, played by uh, the the amazing Alan Rickman. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you may know as Professor uh, what's his Snape? name Snape. Yeah, Professor Snape. There you go from the Harry Potter movies. I do like the scene where... Looking for Mr. Joe Takagi. <laughs> That's a good impersonation. <laughs> Ooh, that'll be the 2015 Eddie Awards impersonation. <laughs> we're starting early. Mark this one, Jeff. All right, so what were you saying? Uh, there, there's a scene, and it's like it, it's near the beginning, and he starts listing off like dates or numbers. Or uh-huh. so. What's, do you know that scene? Oh, where, where he's talking to the police? Yes. And he's like, uh, until my brothers and sisters you know, are, are released... Um, our revolutionary brothers and sisters are released. Yeah, the, when he's he's got his ransom demands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, but he's like listing off n- n- numbers. Asian Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't he? Uh, Carl. That's when Carl uh, Alexander Gudnov, the late Alexander Gudnov, goes Asian Dawn movement, and he like puts the phone. And he's like, I read about it in Forbes magazine. <laughs> yes, but you you the line that you just delivered was about ten times faster than the way that he delivers it because he's like, I read an article in Forbes. But he he like makes two syllables out of four. He's amazing. He's because Forbes. he has. There's a purpose to everything he mm-hmm. says. He man, that motherfucker acts the shit out of this movie. Page three hundred and ninety four. <laughs> my favorite line is so just like fucking. Oh my this, god! And this is a long movie too. I didn't realize this. I didn't. I did not. Uh, it moves at a fast clip. It really does. It's it's over two hours long. It's like two hours and eleven minutes. Uh, I didn't allot enough time for it when I was watching it yesterday. I was oh, like, no. ah, it's about a buck forty-five, right? That's what these these standard action movies are. There you go. And it was still going on. Um, but yeah, it did not feel long. And, wow. Uh, every bit as enjoyable as when I watched it uh, last year, Joe. Yeah, it's it's so it's so good. I mm. love it. And I'm going to tell you why. Tell me why. Um, uh, John McTiernan is the director. Re- he's the director of this film. Thank you. Uh, Sorry for com- for finishing my sentences. I'm filling it in. Uh, you left a, a pregnant pause. Well, it's, it's either pregnant or sometimes it's a dramatic pause. And you know, I will fill that I space, that. Joe. <laughs> yes, you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, so no, John McTiernan, the director of this film, uh, I thought he did a fantastic job with this movie. Uh, with not only just the way that he was able to set the the geography for all the characters. Uh, which is tough when you're filming in what was the 20th Century Fox building, oh, was which it? was actually under construction, and that's what they used. They filmed in the under construction floors of the 20th Century Fox. Oh building. no way! This movie, <laughs> did, for, as far as locations go, they did not spend a whole lot to put this movie together. That must have sucked for the day laborers who were who were trying to actually <laughs> construct a building. Where it's right. like every morning we come in and somebody's like fucked up, they're blown up, there's some shit. blood in the stairway. <laughs> Why they got to be Hispanic? Because they're in California. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake, Joel! <laughs> Just trying to call you out. <laughs> no, the uh, so yeah, no, they they filmed in the 20th Century Fox building, uh, and uh, and they filmed at night, which was obviously they couldn't do that while the fucking building yeah. while it's while it's operating. People are operating. <laughs> there's fucking gunfire going on Explosions. all over the place. Uh, but uh, it, it, he he was able to set up the geography, so you knew where everybody was. It wasn't confusing where people were, which. Could happen in a cat and mouse movie like this, where you're you're just in one location. You could get confused, where you're like, okay, what floor is he on? What's going on? But he was always so uh, conscious of when, like, McLean goes down the uh, the the vent shaft mm-hmm. and ends up in the other thing, uh, in in the smaller shaft going off into the floor below. You see, like, Carl sees this, 
He realizes it. They run down. We see them run down some the stairs. Exact same and, angle. You know, mm-hmm. and and when you keep that, that means you're you're paying attention to the detail, to the details that the viewer is going to pick up, whether consciously or subconsciously. They're picking up on that, and it gives them a sense of the geography of the film. I thought that was really well done, and that's the kind of attention to detail that you don't. I mean, God, it's hard to find something like that now in action films. Yeah, yeah, they're all kind of very uh, born identity, where it's like handy cam and, and extreme close ups. You don't right. really get a chance to, or 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 the director's just in love with like different angles where it's uh-huh. like, yeah, that's a cool looking shot, but you haven't married it to a previous, like you're saying, yeah. you know, kind of repeating the same angles. And and I'm glad you brought that up because he didn't get too artistic with what's going on. There are some shots that look nice, like, wow, that's a really nice composed shot, but he didn't get too artistic with it where it's like, okay, now we're going to get like all wacky. We're going to follow McLean down over the edge yeah. of the building, you know, and... Well, a lot of that was probably just the limitations of filming at the time, Well, the, the limitations time, right? of filming, but there were some things that they did do where McLean is on the roof, and it's that gunfight, and he slides down the vent or whatever and goes over the side. And the way that they film it, just the use of simple angles of what they mm-hmm. had, you're like, oh, shit, did he fall off the building? Cut to the opposite angle. Oh, no, he went down to like the yep. next uh, the next observation panel or There's whatever. The, the shot of him uh, climbing down the elevator shaft, which is clearly like a matte painting underneath him. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I was, I was looking at that thinking, well, it's pretty good, uh-huh. and I wonder if it only looks fake because that's probably what, you know, an elevator shaft would look like from that angle. It's just repeating into infinity. Uh-huh. So it's like, I don't and know what I expect. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I had to go Pixar. But yeah. No, uh, no, but you're right. Yeah, Jan DeMont was the, the DP on this one. He right. went on to and direct And we've, we've talked Twister. about him. Yeah, He's, exactly. He, he knows how to shoot a good-looking movie. He, I can't, you, he can't direct worth the fuck, but no, he can shoot a good-looking movie. Tough with actors. But I, I do like, uh, there's that first scene you were talking about when uh, when... He shows up and they're having kind of an argument in her office, uh-huh. and it's dusk, uh-huh. and he's shooting it like he's, there's light coming in through the blinds, yeah. and there's just like a little, uh, a nice little, little uh, crisscross, right? Yeah, I don't know right. who that was. He's uh, he's able to he's able to pay attention to uh, uh, to the time frame uh, of the film, yep. uh, which is. With a movie like this, you could see where something like that would get confusing, where you're like, oh my god, what time of day is it now? Yeah. Like, he had to be so fucking stoked when finally everything was taking place at night. All right, everything's right. taking place at night. We don't need any of the, the fake light coming in. 30 days. Uh, Speaking of... of uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. I, oh, okay. okay. I'm just going to... I'm kind of giving my reasons, like, why I thought... Uh, so, the direction. I thought the direction mm. was really well done. I thought that it was shot really well. Uh, I, I loved the attention to detail when it came to minor characters. You know, characters that had actual... like. There were actual relationships developed between minor characters. Yeah. The the minor character terrorists. You see, like, there's a little bit of business that everybody's kind of doing with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got the uh, the news crew. So you've got, like, the relationship <laughs> between William Atherton and, like, the, the anchors there. The fact that we're able That's to true. cut. The way he balances, the way they balance the humor with, like, the, the intense action sequences that's a lost art. It's really hard to do something like that. Well, and I, I think part of what makes it su- successful is that, uh, and usually I'm complaining about new characters being introduced late in a movie. Uh-huh. Um, for this one, it doesn't really matter because we're we're like the, the world is kind of ever expanding. We're starting off with this smaller story, right. and then as more players get involved, it's necessary as the story gets bigger. Obviously, if, you, if there's explosions going off in a building, it's going to make the news. Cops right. are going to fucking show up. <laughs> People are going to flock. But I love the uh, the FBI agents that show up at the John- end. Agent Johnson Agent and Special Johnson. Agent Johnson. No uh, relation. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, that the newscaster, uh, <laughs> when I saw him, I forgot he was in this movie. Oh, yeah. And it's the the guy who plays, uh, I only know him as Peckerwood from the uh, Ghostbusters movie. Right? I gotcha, yeah. Uh, the the, the, the guy refer- who's like, hey. will you please show me? The, yeah, the containment device. <laughs> 80s dick, as he's referred to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Your Honor, this man has, has no penis. No penis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no, no the, it, it was almost like they they won a lottery of like classic 80s character right. actors in this movie because you had um, William Gle- uh, what's his name something Paul Gleason who was the principal in the Breakfast Club oh shit who, yeah yeah who plays the deputy chief of police yeah Dwayne T Robinson fucks everything up and the thing is like you can have characters that are despicable in this movie and he was definitely it for a while <laughs> yeah but then you also kind of like him just with a delivery of one line like this guy. What's the line? Uh, when when the when they go up to the roof and the FBI guys are posing as the helicopters or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, but they're not transports; they're gunships or whatever. And they blow up the roof and the helicopter blows up, and they cut to him and he's like, "Oh man, we're gonna need some more FBI guys." Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> it was it's really well done. Even now, as an adult, I I really appreciate the interactions he has with well. With with John McClane, it's probably just him talking to a PA, right? Yeah. Uh, but with him on the radio with John McClane, just the the back and forth, like there's shit that I like that he does now, and I think it's just because I'm an adult and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I kind of understand his point of view a little bit here, where he's like, what the fuck are you doing talking to this guy, giving us giving him the police secrets and okay. like the police point of view? Yes. What the fuck are you doing, pal? Yes, but and this is my only complaint about the movie is that um, everybody. <laughs> I understand that you have to make the heroes smarter than everyone else, uh-huh. but does everybody have to be so dumb at their <laughs> at their job? Like the, the when he makes the nine one one call earlier on after the uh-huh. power's been cut, and so <laughs> yes. Bruce Willis is calling, and he's like, and the chick answers the line. She's like, "Sir, this is a secure line for emergencies only." He's like, "No fucking shit, lady. Does it sound like I'm ordering a pizza?" <laughs> That's exactly what the line is. But they're just so dismissive, and it's like. You do this on a daily basis. Do you get these kinds of calls a lot? And maybe they do. I think uh, I think what we've got here, though, is kind mm-hmm. of a case of, and we talked about this a couple weeks back, the Eastern sensibility versus the Western sensibility, where they're trying to they were trying to illustrate the fact that like this dude oh. comes from New York, and that's where shit really goes down. That's He's a good in point. Fucking L.A. He's in. Yeah. I mean, he repeats it over and over again. Fucking California. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just you know he the moment he arrives, it's like you know this woman runs up and grabs her boyfriend. And, oh yeah. And then when in he the gets airport. to the party, a guy kisses him on the cheek, and he's like fucking, fucking California. Yep. And so they're setting up this expectation, whether it's true or not. They set yeah, up this stereotype kind of. that California is kind of like. You know, this shit They're doesn't half-asses. happen in California. Like, yeah. we would never expect some terrorists taking over a building in California. Get out of here. You know, we're all laid back. Peace, love, and all that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so I think that's what they were illustrating. I agree with you. Okay. I think that I do agree that, like, everybody in this movie is fucking dumb as shit. Except <laughs> yeah. for the terrorists yeah. and John McClane. And John McClane. Well, and uh, and Carl. Uncle Car- is it Uncle Carl from Family Matters? Carl Winslow? Carl Winslow. It's just Carl Winslow. I don't know why I thought he no, was Uncle Carl. No, you know what? Even he's kind of an idiot in this movie. You think so? I think he is. No, I think he's, he's the one guy who... Look, I love Reginald Vell Johnson. Thank you, that's his name. But I do kind of think his character... He does go through an evolution, but I do think that he's kind of a nitwit when when he's first on... He's just when, never seen a hard action. Scene, he's never seen a hard action. Uh, but... But through the course of the movie, we do develop a relationship with him. And I love him, man. Yeah. In fact, I even posted on Facebook a few days ago. I'm like, you know what? I wish when times were tough that like I could just have my own fucking Reginald Vell Johnson <laughs> just hanging out outside by his cop car, radioing in, going like, <laughs> you just hang in there, it's cowboy. It's going to be okay. Hang in there, cowboy. <laughs> we're, all, we're all behind you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love you, man. <laughs> Play's going to need a shitload of screen doors. Okay. So before we get off the point about Please. everybody being dumb, okay. all right. So I'll I'll give it to the to the nine one one operator. Fine. Maybe they get a lot of crank calls. Maybe nothing like this has That's ever happened. Christmas she's, Eve. She's Christmas Eve. I get it. But the, the Atherton, 
<laughs> so so when he shows that guy, up, that guy just gets paid to be in movies to be fucking to, nonsensically fucking ridiculous. To be an, an antagonist yeah. or or contrarian. That's why you hire him. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he gives like a lame excuse. Okay, so so uh, Carl Bel, 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 no, no, Reginald Bell Johnson. Reginald Uncle Carl. Carl Winslow. Carl or Winslow. Al Powell. Officer Al Powell. Which is hard to say. I'm yeah, gonna, it is. I'm going to go with Carl. Carl Winslow um, is trying to convince him that no, he's up there and he knows what's going on and this shit's going down. Um, and, and he's, you know, hey, what about this? And he keeps, can't you read between the lines? Yeah, yeah. But he keeps batting down his ideas. And then Carl finally says, "Well, what about the body that fell out of the window?" <laughs> and he's so dismissive. He's like, "Ah, who knows? Probably some some stockbroker stock who got, got depressed. depressed at like fucking midnight." Well, on you know what that was? What? That's a reference to another movie that came out around that same time, Wall Street. Oh. He was referencing Wall Street. All right, there you go. Yeah. That makes more sense In fact, uh, outside of that movie. And the, and the only reason I know that is because I've watched the movie with John McTiernan's commentary, uh, and he's like, yeah, okay. we added that kind of jab at Oliver doing Wall Street. Well, and that's a funny little in-joke, but it makes no sense. It, makes no, it doesn't stand the test of time. No, of course. I, he's so dismissive. of. Uh, we have clear evidence of a body falling on a car. It's like, <laughs> yes. you can fucking check and see. Check the guy's ID. <laughs> right. Don't just be like, ah, could, who, who knows? It could be anything. But I do love the, the irony of he's like, and the, and you know what? The person who shot up your car, probably the same silly son of a bitch that you're talking to on the radio. And exactly. it's like, as a kid, I didn't put two and two together. I always thought it was like just some other terrorist shooting at the car. And now I'm like, it fucking was. It's totally John McClane shooting, shooting at the car. It was shooting at the car. Yeah. Um, the, other, the, the other strength I'm going to point out with this movie, mm-hmm. fucking beautifully scored by Michael Kamen. Dude, beautifully I, fucking scored. And you don't really see this in in action movies anymore, but they were very deliberate because uh, the entire score is basically uh, a uh, uh, an ode to uh, It's Beethoven. It's the Ode to Joy. Yeah, the um, Ode to Joy, the just, Symphony number no. 9. Uh-huh. But they're doing like variations on it. Yeah. Um and it, it, like an ominous version of it at the beginning when the vans are showing up, uh-huh. but I didn't catch it the first time, but it's it's peppered throughout the score. Oh, it's absolutely. nicely done. Well, and and, and also it just the comes original, to a head the, the original the score is also pretty well done. One thing I've got to give this movie, for an action movie, there's very few moments that doesn't have a music underscore. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a Star Wars film where yeah. it's like there's always some music accompanying almost every part of this movie, which gives it that Christmassy feel, if that makes any sense. <laughs> kind of does. But you know? Also a sign of the times, though, I think this whole minimalist, as far as uh, scores for movies goes, really didn't start becoming popular until... Really, the two thousands. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you listen to you know any nineties movie, and everybody was trying to emulate you know the John Williams, the full orchestra, the John Williams thing. Like you know, if well, I'm trying to think about Lethal Weapon. If that had like, a, well, that was Michael Kamen as well. That was. Uh, so I'm kind of curious. Did he curious. do that one? Yeah, yeah. I feel like did. there was a lot of synthesizers. Yeah. In that one, uh, yeah. Even if it wasn't full orchestra, there was always some sort of you know, Eddie, right? Eddie Murphy. Uh, well, I'm trying to think of like you know even the other Die Hard films mm-hmm. like Die Hard Two, Die Hard Three. I don't think it had like an ongoing score. I don't. But this movie, like just going through and watching, I'm like Jesus. Like I don't think the music ever <laughs> yeah. stops. It, it, maybe in the part when they're in the newsroom when we first meet the William Atherton character, yeah. and he's like talking about like I've known Wolfgang. Give me a t-, and then oh shit, you know we've got this story to check out. I think that's the only time we don't have some music underscoring things. Or well. So there's a couple times when we're outside with the cops, but for the most part, like every time we're in the building, when shit's we've going got, down, we've got themes, we've got character themes. Yeah. Holly has a theme. Fucking John obviously has a theme. Hans Gruber has a fucking theme. Yeah, yep. uh, There's there's definitely themes to our our main characters, which kind of tie in and play in. And I never gave it the credit 
before for this, and it wasn't something that I noticed until this recent time watching it. I was like, holy shit, you know, they really interweave like some of this music together. Did you watch this movie again, Joe? I or did. did you just I would have just pulled on my past twenty years of no, memories. I, of I wanted it. to watch it again, yeah. so that way I would have it you You're know, gonna watch fresh. it a week from now. I'm gonna watch it a week from now. I'm gonna probably watch it uh I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it Christmas Eve. I was gonna say Alamo's doing the, the screening. House, so yeah. you're gonna go yeah. see it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't get it. I don't understand it's a great movie, I just don't understand your love for it. Which is fine. We all have we all have those. It's okay, man. I have a love for uh, Ron Howard's The Paper, which <laughs> nobody has ever. I Michael, Michael Keaton and Marissa Tomei. That's a great the movie, guys. If, look, Jeff's got his Peter Boyle furrowed brow. If you you never even heard of that movie, it's good. It's like one of Ron. And in fact, Ron Howard will say that's his favorite movie that he yeah. did. But I, I like it a lot. I like it's about Far and Away. Family and I, I like Ron Howard's Far and Away. I need to give that one another shot. Yeah. Just so fucking long and Tom it's actually Cruise not. doing an accent. It, it, it is. It, it's it, like a three-hour movie. No, isn't it's it? it's not actually. It just feels like it. <laughs> it feels like it. It definitely feels like it. Uh, I will give you that. It's epic. Moment. When I first saw it, I was like, Jesus, this movie takes forever. And then I saw the running time. I'm like, oh, so it's only like two hours long. You know, and, and there's a good example of like a John Williams scored movie. Yes. Where if that movie is three hours long, there is two and a half hours worth of music underneath it. Oh, absolutely. It, like constantly. And the music's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's, one of the, it's one of the underrated John Williams scores. I would agree. Uh, so getting back to Die Hard. Please. Uh, I I'm I feel like I feel like the Emperor I feel like Darth Vader where I'm like I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> no, I like it. I just don't I, I don't get it. Uh huh. Like it, it doesn't seem like a movie that you from what I know about you and your history and, and the kind of movies you're into, it's not really your wheelhouse. You know, '80s action movies that that. But this right? doesn't exactly fall in the wheelhouse of a traditional '80s action movie. There's a lot more going on to this. Like you would never you before or since. Find an action movie with an antagonist that's so well done. Yeah, like Hans Gruber is in this film. Great villain. Uh, he's without, and and I would make the argument that without Alan Rickman in this movie, this movie isn't the same thing. It's no. not the Die Hard that I recognize. Uh, and and the thing, and I mean that's evidenced by the fact that they've never been able to duplicate that magic, that chemistry from the first Die Hard in any of the sequels. Have you seen all the sequels? I've now? seen all the sequels. In fact, about a year ago when they released, was it a year or two years ago when they released the fifth one? The fifth one, uh, Matthew Fisher from MVP and I mm. went to the. Uh, they did this whole like, you know, oh, we're doing, we're going to do all of the Die Hard movies uh, in in one day, leading up to the newest Die Hard movie. Oh, jeez! So we marathon that. Did you? We we went and and going back and watching the first one, I'm like, oh my god, this first one really stands up. And then it's kind of like you watch the a series, gradual like, decline because I hate to. I absolutely, oh, really? I, I abhor I never Die Hard 2. Uh, but then I like Die Hard 3 mm. quite a bit. I'm yeah. like, you know what? That one's pretty decent. Uh, I love the whole cat and mouse game in the middle of New York City. You know, it's it's vast, but it's still, you know, uh, it, it's still a small enough space. Who's the villain in that one? That's uh, Jeremy Irons. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. And the thing is, he plays Hans Gruber's brother. So oh. there's that Hans connection that I think maybe helps the movie succeed a little bit more than the second one. It's Franz Gruber? No, no, it's Simon. <laughs> it's not Simon, Hans and Franz. Simon Peter Gruber. He's not going to pump him up. <laughs> no, Jesus, <laughs> you fucking ass. Uh, and so then you got die, uh, Live Free or Die Hard. I like that one. Which one? I know it's PG thirteen. No, 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 fuck no. It. I've, wow. got, I've got no problem the with the score. I'm getting I've right got now. No, folks. I've got no problem with the PG thirteen aspect of I know it. I don't like the villain. Uh, I, I, in fact, I thought the story was decent. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, who I think is a fantastic actor, I thought he was just given nothing to play with. He had nothing to play with, and he tried so hard to be a smarmy villain. Yep. but it just didn't work. Uh, he's too young. He, he's he's a little too young. But they could have had a young villain. They just didn't give him his material. Sucked. And then you had A Good Day to Die Hard, which was just... I didn't even see it. My problem 
with the the ever evolving, it's funny because there's one thing that they do have in Die Hard 2, mm-hmm. which I think is very valuable to the franchise, and that's when John McClane says, "How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice?" <laughs> I mean, then you go on for like another four fucking movies, man. Yeah. But there, there's this weird thing about like what John McClane is in this first Die Hard movie. He's not a Superman. He's not Rambo. He's no. not Commando. He's not the Terminator. Wrong place, wrong he's time. Wrong place, wrong time. But he's an everyman. He's got weaknesses. I mean, you go back to the scene where he's in the bathroom and he's fishing glass out of his foot. Yeah. And he's he's vulnerable. And he's practically crying on the radio and he's telling Al, you know, when this is all over, uh, find my wife. I don't know how, but by then you'll know. Uh, but tell her that, you know, I'm sorry. She's heard me say I love you a million times. But she's never heard me say I'm sorry. Like you had this moment where he doubted that he was going to get through it. Oh yeah, you you know it, it, there was that vulnerability, and he talks to himself a lot too. You kind of get to hear his internal monologue. Well, which you know you have no choice when he's alone for two hours of this movie. Right, but it's not it's not always espousing plot points. Right, a lot of times it's just like I don't think I'm going to make it out of this one. Yeah, and he has a couple lines like that. Yeah, shit, fuck, piss. Uh, <laughs> yes. There's a lot of that too. Why didn't you help him, John? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Then you'd be dead too, asshole. That's the one I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, so, but you got a sense of his vulnerability in this, and then that went away in like all the other Die Hard movies. But they did have a little bit of it in Die Hard Three, where he's like, "Why me? I got a fucking hangover. I don't want to be here." But then from that point, he became Superman. Yeah. Like even at the end of that movie, he That's... became Superman and like. Just became this otherworldly fucking character from that point on. And for me, that's how the Mission Impossible movies have have evolved as well. Because I love that first one. Did you see the latest one though? Uh, the Ghost Protocol. Yeah, yeah. I oh. thought that was really well done. No, no, it's great. Yeah, Brad Bird. I, I, actually, the last two have been good. <laughs> really, they're all good with the exception of that John There's, Woo. Oh piece my god, of shit. the John Woo one the was horrible. One, the slow mo doves. There's the scene in Ghost Protocol, and we are like all over the place talking about just action movies yeah. in general and the paper. Uh, <laughs> Ron Howard's action epic, The Paper. So it's uh, a great movie, guys. Watch so it. It stars Batman. Yeah, and uh, and the chick from the wrestler. Mm-hmm. So uh, so no, there's the the part where Tom Cruise is climbing up the building in Dubai. Yep, and like he swings to get into the the window and bangs his and, fucking head. Yeah, I love that touch. That's what I'm talking about with with John McClane in the first Die Hard. There's that you know he's not infallible. Okay, he's he makes mistakes, and I thought that was a really cool point in Ghost Protocol. Yeah, because we were so used to Tom Cruise just getting through everything because smoothly. That's how it had been. That was yeah. nice. That was a nice touch, and that's what I'm talking about with this. Did that affect you? Like, did you appreciate that at all about this? That John no. McClane was an everyman? He wasn't like a, you know, a muscle-bound fucking just Superman? No, absolutely. Thing? And in fact, that's one of the things I like about Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford does that well, too. Maybe not so much anymore, but uh, he was always, especially in, um, what's the one where he's being hunted by Tommy the Lee fugitive? Jones? The Fugitive? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> where he's a fugitive from <laughs> yeah, justice. What's that, what's that one? What's that movie where, man. where he's a fugitive? Um, he... <laughs> He the, taken three. You know that look, <laughs> that look that Harrison Ford gets of like uh-huh. distress on his face, and he does it through all the Indiana Jones. But movies he does too. it the most in The Fugitive. He, yeah, he does. Yeah. Just because he he never you never really feel like he's in control. He's always uh-huh. he's never really one step ahead. He's always just kind of scrambling to to to, to you know stay free uh-huh. or die hard. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, I like that about all of his movies when he when he's an action hero. And the same thing about Bruce Willis too. Yeah, because yeah. it, it's a little more. Um, I don't want to say I could put myself in his shoes because there's no way I could do. But that. but that's kind of the fun thing about Die Hard, and I think that's that that kind of plays into the uh, 
the the fantastical nature of it for me is that he is every man. You know, you could put yourself in that position because he doesn't do anything just extraordinary. It's just that he's put in fucking desperate situations yep. where it's like, fuck, I've got to I've got to tie a fucking fire hose around my waist and jump because that's my only fucking option. Everything else is death. So I've got to do this. Uh, or, you know, it, it isn't until the very end where he's doing like fist fights with Alexander Gudnov. Uh, where we get a little bit, and the thing is, it's an '80s action movie. You've got to have one like I'm exactly. fighting the badass, but he doesn't even kill him. No, he's not the one that kills him, which I love. I love that point and it, that he didn't kill that character. And he's losing that fight for the most part. Like he's getting his head like thrown through walls and oh, shit. Yeah. It's 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 intense. Yeah, he's he he isn't exactly a physical specimen in this flick. Well, not not standing next to that guy. <laughs> no, that Adonis, the the ballet dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a, he was he was a ballet dancer. Oh, really? Was he? Uh huh. Uh, and. And I just, I think when it all comes down to it, you get to that point where you've got John facing off against Hans, where he finds him looking at like the explosives or whatever. And That's great. they have that moment where he's like, fuck, you should be an actor with that fucking accent. <laughs> like, it, it's amazing to me now. I don't think Bruce Willis could hold his own against fucking Alan Rickman now. I would have a hard time believing he could because I think Bruce Willis kind of mm. buys his own hype. Yeah. Whereas back then, Die Hard, he was just David Addison from fucking Moonlighting. You know, this was his first major film. You say that, but I, I just over the weekend I revisited uh, Looper, which is one of my Looper's so favorite good. movies. Ryan fucking Johnson, and man. he is not a hero in that movie. In Wait, fact, was that was that was Ryan Johnson? Ryan Johnson, right? yep, yeah, you got it. Director of Episode Eight, so so good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, good. it's a great film. If you haven't seen that, watch the paper and then watch Looper. It's a great double feature. Uh, but. <laughs> Bruce Willis is not the hero, and in fact, he—he's. Well, you could almost say he's—he's well, he's not the villain because we have the whole Jeff Bridges character. But he is—he is—he's a sympathetic character. Yeah. But he's—he's he's the antagonist through the last half of the movie. Jeff Bridges? No, no. Uh, uh, Bruce Willis is. No, where was Jeff Bridges in Looper? Not Jeff Bridges. Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Sorry, <laughs> I was like the, the fuck? dude. I don't remember the dude in that. Dude's from the future. <laughs> you watch the director's cut, <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean. Like he's 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 desperate. He he kills children in that movie. Oh yeah, because he, he feels like that's the only way. That's yeah. the only way to stop it. So he's like vulnerable, and he's I, I don't know. I, I think he did. He it was a nice turn there, and I wouldn't describe him as having bought into his own hype during that movie. Anyway, okay. Like, well, he he was humble enough to. He, I don't know. Is he top? He's probably top bill, but that's probably the, his agent. I think that, but but I think that depends on the project too. I mean, we've all heard the stories that oh, Kevin yes. Smith has told about. Yeah, but how much of that Bruce is Kevin Willis? Smith, and how much of it is Bruce? Willis? I don't know. You know, I I'm inclined to believe like to believe that the story is like there's Kevin Smith's story, and then there's what I believe Bruce Willis's story would be, and then mm-hmm. the truth that lies somewhere kind of in, the in the middle. Yeah. Um, I feel like Kevin Smith's story is probably born from truth. But I'm sure that he's oh, leaving out. He's probably leaving out points where he annoyed the shit out of Bruce Willis. That's the thing, and so that's why he got the reaction that he did. Yeah. Um, but then I also think about like other movies that I've watched, like the the whole nine yards, the whole ten yards. Well, he, those but, are fucking horrible films. Yeah, but he Mercury Rising. He's very like Nicolas Cage, where he'll do a movie, you know, for the paycheck or because he's under contract. But the ones that he really feels passionate about, obviously Looper he felt passionate about. Yeah. Unbreakable uh, and Sixth Sense, I think he Let's, felt passionate can about. Can we please not? Well, talk about Sixth Sense at least. You can you can give me Sixth Sense. Right? I'll give you. I'll give you Sixth he Sense. He doesn't. He doesn't punch anybody in that movie. Uh-huh. But you're saying that you think that Bruce Willis could still hold his own in a in a movie against like with Alan Rickman. 
if his heart were in it and were a good project, yeah, I'd love to see them paired up again. Ah, man, I'm I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Yeah. I, I would be afraid to see that. I, I'd be excited, but I'd kind of be afraid to see what would come of that. Interesting. Um, that'll be the sixth what, Die Hard. What, what uh, I see, you have notes and stuff written down. What do you? Because I, I'm going to just keep gushing about this. I, I feel movie. like well, we've hit all my points. So gush away, and I'll 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 dial in. All right. Uh, so. I, I, okay, I will be. I'm going to be critical about a couple of things. Okay. Um, I feel like this movie, unfortunately, was kind of a victim of its time when it tried to use. And you brought it up a little bit earlier when it talked about the elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the the CG effects yeah. in this movie. That's not the, even CG. Some of the green screen CG. Well, Is there's it? there's the, the the well, God, what would I call it? Like special effects, the model work. There's some green screen stuff that's going on in this movie. Is there where? Uh, like when the helicopters blow up. And shit, and like it's going down the, it like the explosions that close to Bruce Willis or whatever. Oh, oh yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. He's uh, not. There's there's some of that where you're like, oh god. For the most part, like the practical. This movie's filled with fucking practical effects. Yeah, and in fact, I'm I'm impressed by it. They do a lot of uh, forced perspective where yeah. yeah, it looks like he's right next to the explosion, but obviously he's 50 he's, feet in yeah, front of he's, it. He's well well away from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But the, there there are a couple there are a couple of shots like the the helicopters you know speeding down over the streets and stuff. Oh like, yeah. Oh, that's a little too. And then they would cut into the helicopter, and it's like the well, green screen on. <laughs> Outside. Clearly, yeah. Uh, yeah, when the camera isn't shaking and you're inside of a flying helicopter, that's a dead giveaway. That's it's probably a, uh, <laughs> it's probably shot on a, on a sound stage. Uh, that, and I I kind of felt like it was a little too, uh, it, 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 it was a little too coincidental how Hans Gruber came across the information like that Holly is John is John's wife. Yeah. Like that he, t- he thought to turn around and look and see the picture. And the fact that he would have like, you know, I get that he would have local news, but you know what? If they're talking to like families and shit, I have a feeling someone like Hans Gruber is not going to have the time <laughs> to see like, especially while they're evacuating. Everything everybody. else is going around. All yeah. that stuff's going on. They just blew the roof, yeah. and like they're evacuating everyone and shit. And fucking Hans Gruber just happens to look over at the TV and he's like, "Mrs. McLean, you know how nice to make your acquaintance." Mm-hmm. I mean, he had to figure out who she was somehow. Yeah, but I kind of feel like there could have been a little bit more of an organic way of doing that that they didn't quite. They didn't quite hit. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. And I think they did it late enough in the film where I, it didn't bother me. Yeah, I I, I thought, thought it would have been a cop out if they did that earlier. Like I thought I thought immediately he was going to find out who oh, she right, was. You know right. what I mean? Uh, yeah. So the fact that they they delayed it to that late in the game, uh huh. Um, eh, I didn't mind. I I did. I like the fact that he was in her office the whole time, and so it did set up like this this anxiety of like, oh my god, when's he going to find he out? Could, when's he going to mm-hmm. find out? When's he going to find out? Uh, but I, I I was just kind of hoping it would have been a little bit more organic. That like you know. The way that the interaction between John and Hans up in the on the higher floor or whatever when they're smoking and stuff and he mm-hmm. gives them the gun, I felt like, okay, you know, you, you quizzed him about like, hey, so what's your name? Clay, Bill Clay. And he's like, okay, yeah, you're Bill Clay. All right, well, here's a gun. Let's go. Like, what if he actually was like an innocent uh, hostage? That dude would have been dead. <laughs> like, if oh, the right, terrorist yeah. showed up, that dude would have been dead. So there's kind of a lot of like mind reading, a lot of I'm not taking a chance, but how would I know? Uh, that that that's all, and I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, it just kind of felt like uh, it was convenient writing. There it, was one moment, and you're 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 refreshing my memory, where um, it's after he's already found out that Hans Gruber is is Hans Gruber. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I can't remember what it was. You know this movie better than I do, but at some point, it's like him and Hans, uh-huh. Bruce Willis and Hans. Yeah, 
and then the other thugs come in and they're yeah. going to start firing at him. Uh-huh. Well, Bruce Willis already has like already the had AK-47. Why didn't he blow Hans Gruber Thank away you. right yeah, yeah. there? Because he immediately turns and starts shooting at the other guys and then dives for cover. And I'm like, yes. that was your chance right there. What do you think of yep. fucking stupid Hans? <laughs> Ding. Yeah. yeah. You are saying. Yep. And, and then, then the, the elevator, elevator opens. opens and he just starts shooting. But no, no but he, he totally could have blown away Hans. point blank range. Or he could have just over. grabbed Hans and used him as a fucking human or shield. Or that. I know there were a couple of different options, but that was the only head slapper for me, which is like, really? He got away. You you understand? Like every time I watch this movie, I hope he shoots him. Like I'm like, come on, this time, <laughs> moment. shoot him. Yeah. Uh, Argyle, did he work for you? I love Argyle. Did you like Argyle? Yeah, yeah. Because really, he's the only comedic relief. I know you mentioned some of the other characters, but they're all pretty uh, straight laced. Uh huh. You know, I guess Carl is the, the next there's, closest there's one. There's Ellis. Who, which one was Ellis? The, the cokehead. Oh, oh, <laughs> yes. Bullshit. Oh my god, we haven't His even talked about 3, him. Two thousand miles away. Hart Bachner. I fucking love him, man. <laughs> Oh, and then I guess the swarmy guy. That's him. Is that the guy you're yeah, talking Ellis. about? Okay, Ellis. Okay, okay. I thought his name was Harry. No, yeah, his, his name's Harry Ellis. Harry Ellis. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't only know his first name. Hans <laughs> Booby. Hans Booby, I'm your white knight. <laughs> so. I must have missed 60 minutes. Sleazy. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thought he was fucking great. Uh, in fact, I have a T-shirt that says "Don't be Ellis," <laughs> and it's got just a—it's an illustration of him with the thumbs up. Nice. That I, I wear to every Die Hard screening. <laughs> do you really? I sure do. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. miss it this year. You're gonna miss it. You're. All, I'm gonna be. Well, this year I'm gonna be wearing my Die Hard Christmas sweater. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. you posted that. Yes, sir. Um, all right. So. Oh, but you were asking about the limo driver. I didn't mind yeah. him. Argyle, you didn't mind him. He—he uh, he serves a purpose. Uh, does it like astound you when you watch that movie and they open up and like he's in the limo for the first time and he's like, "Man, you need to relax. We got everything in this limo: <laughs> CD, CB, TV, VHS." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" It's like, well, thanks. <laughs> if I lived in that era, that would all be fantastic. I have that in my pocket now. Thanks, <laughs> I know, right? Argyle. Uh, what did this movie do right? Uh, also, another. Oh. Hold on, before we get to that, another sign of the times is uh, like the first 15 minutes. Um, Bruce Willis exclusively smokes indoors in confined areas. Oh, basically. smoking indoors in confined areas. In the airport? When he's, when he's in the airplane, he's, he's got the gun. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> like, uh, Yeah, they don't allow don't that even, anymore. I don't even think back then they would have allowed it. That seems yeah, specious. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's getting his baggage and he lights up there. He gets in the limo with Argyle, immediately lights, lights up. up. Dude is fucking smoking Ever everywhere. smoking, yep. Uh, all right, so what did this movie do right? Uh, I like the score. You, you called it out earlier. Um, yeah. Good, good action, and, and, and I like it when they they'll they'll take a theme. I'm trying to think of the last movie that did this, where it was a, a famous theme that people have known, but but like I, I don't know I don't know how well you knew the Ninth well, Symphony before seeing this movie. I didn't know it very well. See, there at you all. go. So now now I know it like the back of my hand. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and for me, it's, it's like one of those movies that or one of those movies, one of those pieces. You know, I've known, I've heard. Yeah, obviously you hear it in commercials and other movies. Uh, but this one really made it its own, uh-huh. which is saying something because it's fucking Beethoven. Yeah, to, to not, they now own the Ninth Symphony. What in, is in that, the song, the Death of Figaro, which I've heard like in a million different fucking movies, but it's never been like an ongoing theme. I, I guess Inception. Didn't Inception have like a song that they played all throughout the oh, movie? Oh, did that aria. And then like when they were down, when they kept going down into the dream, oh, it was just it was slower, so and slower yeah. and slower. The uh, the the you know the the beats that they used in the trailer, the boom. It's that song. It's that it's slowed, just slowed down. down. So yeah, it's, oh, this is so brilliant. Yeah, no, I thought that's it's so good. I Man, love we could that, I love that, that could be my next. Uh, I love that movie. Movie. I love as that. As far movie. as my so, favorite things. Oh, uh, okay. So the score was what the movie did right. I like. The, you know, there's a lot of things it did right, but uh, if I'm but that's the thing that stood out. Point something. I love that yeah what did it do wrong uh those little lapses in 
it, everybody was smart for the most part, uh-huh. except for those characters, and they needed to be the smartest characters in the movies. Yeah. The guys who were deciding who's going to, you know, throw the SWAT team in yes. and taking control of the situation. Sending the car. So frustrating to, for somebody to be that dumb just for dumb, you know, for conflict's sake. Yeah, and it's like. Re- I was with him until that line that I pointed out where I was like, oh, that's just some, some stockbroker committing suicide. You know, that, that could have been anything. I'm like, right. really, dude? Do, right. do your job. Go check out the body. Go, go be a deputy chief of police. Exactly. Find the idea. Don't just be so dismissive because <laughs> Carl Winslow has, a, has an idea. I, uh, I just think that what this movie did right uh, is the writing. You know, and I know I'm kind of conflicting with what you're saying about, like, the characters weren't very smart. Uh, well, except you, for the mains, but I just think that for an action movie, this film is written really fucking tight. Now you're talking about the dialogue or the story. I'm talking about the story okay. and and definitely the dialogue between the mains. You know, you've got your interactions between Hans and, and and John McClane, and I think that's really good. Even the dialogue between Holly and John when they're sitting there and they're talking and they're arguing, like it wasn't like it wasn't overdone, yeah. but it was believable. It was subtle and like a conversation to people going through a divorce. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people interacted and reacted to each other in very, for the most part, for Die Hard, in very realistic ways. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love when they're arguing and the pregnant woman comes in and she's like, "I'm sorry." And then she just kind of looks over at Bruce Willis and he's like, okay, and? And, Like, what? Let's get to it. Uh, So I really like that. I love the writing for it. And I don't know if those moments were just improvised subtlety from the actors or if that was directed and if that was the way the script was written. Either way, I thought this piece, based on uh, Roderick Thorpe's novel, which, if you think about this, this movie is actually a sequel to the movie The Detective starring, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Yeah. Uh, God, Frankie, uh, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, thank you. Uh, because Roderick Thorpe wrote wrote the books The Detective mm-hmm. with John McClane. And uh, I think, I can't remember what the original, I think it was called like 88 Minutes yeah. or something. Uh, I'm pulling it up now. Uh, it's going to be a while. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, but but that's kind of it's based on this book, and so this is actually the second Roderick Thorpe, second John McClane movie. Uh, but it was the first in this whole new era of action films. But I just feel like this, it's obvious, it, 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 it can't just be the source material. It's got to be the screenwriting on oh, this thing, yeah. too. I, I, going a long way around, I just thought the writing on this was fucking amazing. And that's what brings me in every time. That's what makes a movie as quotable as this movie is for me. You know, I could fucking recite the whole thing. And I can't do that with Lethal Weapon. As much as I like Lethal Weapon, I kind of put that in the same like tier. With Die yeah, Hard. Yeah, they're very similar. But they're very similar movies, but I just can't quote Lethal Weapon like it, I can Die Hard. It's just the, uh, I'm getting too old for this shit line, yeah, right? That's, that's the only it. thing. Or like, I'm hungry, or put it in your mouth. Yeah. Like, that. that's all I remember. <laughs> are we talking about the same movie? Yes, we are. <laughs> we absolutely are. What I think that the movie did wrong, or, or badly. Yeah. Because um, nothing's wrong about this film. Well, no, no, <laughs> that's it's not entirely <laughs> true. Uh, I felt like the... Uh, I, I wish they would have explained a little bit more. Like, here's the the example: the C four. Okay. Oh yeah. The plastic explosive. When he puts it, like he he's like putting the detonators in. He's like, fuck it, and he just puts a shitload in, and then puts the computer monitor on it, and then like just throws it down the elevator shaft. I don't know what those things do. I don't know what those detonators do. I don't know what's it making that explode. Is it the fucking putty he's putting stuff in? Is it the fucking metal things he's putting inside of it? Uh-huh. What is the computer monitor? What is that doing? Uh, what is the point? How how does he know that is going to blow up on the right floor and not blow up on the floor where the fucking hostages are being that's held? That's a good point, yeah. Uh, so that's my biggest gripe about this movie, and oh, it's something that's that. never sat right with me. Every time I watch it, I'm like... 
how does he know? Like, what? I wish they would explain because I don't know how plastic explosives <laughs> You're right. work. He's game gambling with those hostage lives. Exactly, wasn't he? his wife's life. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's pretty much my only gripe. Uh, yeah. If you were to it's hard have to, complain. to, if you were have to remake this movie, uh, who would you recast? I'm gonna I'm gonna worry. I've probably only recast like four or five people. Oh oh wow! See, I was expecting you to go yeah, all I didn't, cast. On I didn't this go one. all cast okay. on this one. Uh, I didn't go Thanks Killing Three. I've got six. Thank Christ. Um, We'll start with uh, uh, Ellis Sleazeball. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. You want to ping pong this no, one? No, 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 because I've got it all in my head, and oh, I'm going to get confused if, okay, good if call. we don't. Uh, Ellis, uh, how about Ashton Kutcher? Nice. He's kind of <laughs> sleazy, and somebody wouldn't mind uh, in, in his shot. Bill Gates costume. Right, from... right, right, with the turtleneck and the <laughs> jeans and the tennis shoes. It'd be awesome doing yeah. that crazy walk. How about uh, for the uh, limo driver, Argyle? I'm going to go Kevin Hart. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> Stereotypical, but it's been a while since I rolled him out. It is. It's also been a while since I rolled out uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and uh, I thought, <sighs> okay, here's here's what I want to do. I'm, I'm I'm jumping around a little bit. Okay, so so Maggie Gyllenhaal is Maggie Holly Gyllenhaal. McLean. She's going to be Holly, and my Bruce Willis. Uh, I'm going to do Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm going to get a brother and sister. <laughs> Paired up. <laughs> that is so fucked up. A little bit, but uh, so but they're such great up. actors. I'd like to see them yeah, play, play through it. head shaking. Play we, through it. For Did a, they have to kiss afternoon at the delight, end? Afternoon delight, we watched Nightcrawler. Oh, no. Yeah, so I'm having a hard time seeing him as John oh, McClane. No. I hear he's really good in that, he's, too. He's, I liked him but a lot. But creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. Yeah, All right, so. So that's my Bruce Willis would be Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal? Oh, my Gyllenhaal? God. Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. That's right. Look at Maggie. And uh, it's a challenge, you know. <laughs> do a little Angelina Jolie, see if you can kiss your brother. Oh my god! Uh, and then uh, so for Al Powell, uh, Carl Wilson, uh, Anthony Anderson. Do you know who he is? He's on uh, Law and Order. Yeah, yeah tall he's black on guy. Black- Blackish. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, I, I think he's perfect for that role. Uh, I, he's already played a cop before. You probably don't even have to rent the outfit again. Yeah, that's that's true. Pick it up from the cleaners. Okay. And then the most important role, of course, uh, the Alan Rickman. This is a tough one, man. Uh, I'm curious to see what yours is. I went with Sean Bean. It's a role he's kind of played before. He's he's foreign. He could probably do a German accent. We wouldn't know because he has to die. And, and yes, he dies in everything. <laughs> so it's like guy, just kill him in another movie. He dies in in everything that he's in. That's a great. Have you seen that YouTube clip where somebody compiled like all of his deaths? No, I from didn't. Movies and TVs. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Sean Bean's death scenes. It's like ten minutes long. See, now I'm trying to think of uh, I'm trying to think of movies that he's lived to, to the end of. Um, it's a short list. Yeah, I can't remember. All right. Uh, all right. So. Oh, and then my director, uh, yeah. Ron Howard, the aforementioned <laughs> Ron Howard, the, the, the director of the paper. That's right. That's pretty good. All right. Uh, so, I guess with mine, I'm going to start with Ellis because I I did recast him. You have to. I went with Adam Scott. Oh, nice. <laughs> because I, I think. He's, oh, but I don't want to see him get killed. I, I think he's totally perfect for that role, yeah. though. Uh, so Adam Scott as Ellis. Uh, Holly McLean <laughs> mm-hmm. is going to be Rachel McAdams. Oh, I she, always applaud getting I love, her in movies. I, I, I love her. I love mm-hmm. her to death. Uh, okay, for Hans Gruber, mm-hmm. Tom Hiddleston. Fuck yes. yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Because uh-huh. he's totally, he's got the, the fucking Brit thing. There you go. Uh, and then our- It's John, Loki, by the way, from the- uh, John McClane. Mm-hmm. Going to go with another Marvel property, uh, and uh, and I'm going to go with uh, old Star-Lord from Guardians I knew you were going to say it. Yeah. I knew you were going to say Chris uh, Pratt. Chris Pratt would be my John McClane. He's just perfect. because. I'm, I, I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, who the fuck would I pick for this character that isn't someone that, you know, that, that isn't would be Joseph Gordon Levitt? Well, who isn't now, you know, the, the kind of person that's like, who is a successful action star that can also carry like the humor? Stu who can, fills you know, every man. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, all right, JGL, I don't 
quite think that I want him to be my Bruce Willis. Yeah. And I don't think I want Channing Tatum to be my fucking John McClane. No, he's not not enough personality. No, I mean, I, I beg to differ. I think he's got enough personality. I just don't want to see him in this role. He already kind of played it in White House Down. Uh, but, oh, yeah. But I was like, you know what, Chris Pratt? I think he's ready. I think yep. he's ready to be a John McClane. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and then uh, the director, I think I'm going to go with uh, with the old, old Reliable, the Rousseau brothers, who did the you know uh, what? Captain I, America the Winter Soldier. And I thought about them, too. I almost put them down, but I was like, no, oh, you just did that the other day. Yeah, no, I know. And I, f- no, I feel but they're dirty. Good. I feel dirty going back to the like the Marvel well with all of these things, but they're like fucking dominating the fucking landscape of Hollywood right now. And, they, and those, that'd be all great casting. Yeah. Like, if somebody were listening to this podcast right now wanted to reboot that franchise, they would totally cast all those people <laughs> in there. Uh, that'd be great. It, it would be fun. All right, so... Uh, before we go into the closing and stuff, because mm-hmm. I know they got to get ready, they got to do their eight uh, bit, and you got a movie to rush out to. I do. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna actually see Love Actually. Actually, actually, oh. I, I actually was, love I, Love. We actually. were actually going to join you, but it turns out Sarah had rehearsal. So, so sure, yeah, it's a uh, it's a plausible excuse. I actually, got to go home. Yeah, I believe that. There's no uh, doubt in my mind. She's no, she does. She has a show opening. <laughs> she didn't want to sit next to me. She has a show opening this week. No, I understand, Joe. She, I don't. Th- she's not going to be there when the party starts on Saturday Listen, either. Whatever you have she's to tell come yourself. Afterwards. Oh Fine. my God, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, we we're going to share a moment. What, what do we, we've got? Okay, we, I got to know what movie are we going to do next week? What's one of your favorite things? One of my favorite movies uh-huh. that I I learned recently. You're not a fan of. Uh, I don't know how that's possible with your your cold Grinch like heart. Oh uh, how you could not enjoy Home Alone? Chris Columbus's Home Alone's classic. Oh, Die Hard for Kids, 1990. It basically <laughs> is, isn't it? We can draw some parallels next week when we talk about Home Alone. I love this movie. I know it's kind of flawed. I know it's. Difficult watching uh, little Macaulay Culkin. I'm using finger quotes when I say act because he's basically just like reciting lines yes. back. Someone off Someone's stage is like fucking telling him what he has to say and then he's just reciting. Parroting it, it back. Um, but uh, damn, he's so adorable in that movie. And it's really, it's got a lot of heart. When we talked about uh, Christmas with the Cranks last week, because uh-huh. uh, that was a Chris Columbus joint. Um, he didn't direct it, but Did he, you see he a produced fucking, it. A Janet Lee fan page? Liked our, our our update about Christmas with the cranks. Oh no, you're kidding, really? No, like they totally did. Uh, I'm sorry. Did go they, ahead. How did they get a wind of us? I have no fucking clue. Well, we're going global now. I hope so. Uh, but yeah, the one moment that we liked for, about Christmas with the cranks was that that moment near the end. You said it had a little bit of heart, and you thought that that was maybe Chris Columbus's contribution, uh-huh. uh, and that it's all over Home Alone. So I got to do it. Home. I was going to be watching this That's movie cool. anyway because it's Christmas and it's a tradition. I haven't seen that movie since I saw it in the theater. Well, you're gonna have to see it. Who knows? And, and Maybe I'll enjoy it a little I, bit more. I think you will. I think uh, you get the girl sitting there next to you, and you can uh, you can appreciate it on a new level. Yeah, John Candy's in that too. At one point, isn't he? He is. Yes, okay. he's in the All airport right. when she's trying to. Oh, he he. Yeah, the van. Like he's with there a van go. of like polka players. Okay, there you go. So at least I'll enjoy Spoiler one. Spoiler alert! I'll enjoy one part of that movie. <laughs> All right, so so, uh, so we've got alone. we've got two new categories we're going to introduce for we the do Eddies. we do we're getting to the end here where we're doing the, the math earlier and we got three more weeks. Or four more weeks. One, two, three. We got whatever. Whatever. Well, we have three more weeks where we're going to be announcing categories, and Uh then that fourth week will be uh, the Eddie Awards. The Eddie Awards. The fabulous Eddie Awards. Finally, feels like forever. We've been fucking talking about this shit, Uh, and these should be up on the website by the time you're hearing this episode. Uh, which is, well, should no. Let me read the categories. Just read the categories. Let's not worry about the time. So we have new. we're gonna do. We're still doing recasting. Last week we had the recast ensemble. Uh-huh. This week we have a best male recast uh-huh. and best female recast. Our nominees for best female recast: um, Selena Gomez as Jennifer Lopez in Made in Manhattan. Nice. Lady Gaga as Olivia Newton-John from Xanadu. Oh my god. Uh, Aeon Flux um, 
uh, Mia Jovovich as okay. Aeon Flux instead of uh, because she's played her already. Like she, she basically, she is Aeon Flux. Yes. It was travesty. She wouldn't get nominated for that or or cast in that. Uh, Miley Cyrus uh, as Angelina Jolie in Tomb Raider. The <laughs> that the, must uh, have been yours. The Tomb Raider that was mine. That was definitely you. yours. And then uh, we have five uh, nominees in these categories. The last one is uh, Bryce Dallas Howard as April O'Neil in ter- uh, Ninja Turtles. Love Bryce TMNT Dallas 3. Howard. Did you see her in the trailer for the new Jurassic World? Yes, I did. She's anywhere. So, she's, she's on so the internet. Great. She's I'm so good, though. She's a good actress. I know, and that's what makes me love her even more. Yeah. Uh, best male recast: uh, the aforementioned Jogo Lev in the Christian Bale role in Equilibrium. Uh huh. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as uh, Peter Pan as Robin Williams in Hook. <laughs> uh, this was the one that both of us recast. Uh, Jim Carrey as Ernest. As Ernest. From Ernest yes, Scared Stupid. Sir. Uh, and then our last two nominees are um, Joel Bernson for Jeff Goldblum for Independence <laughs> Day and Joe Cucinati as Scott Kahn's character in Ready to Rumble. Ready to Rumble? So uh, nice. we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Wonderful. And you can go to our website at... At, uh, not the editing bay, not edit bay. EditingBay.com, uh, right there, homepage is a link to the the 80 Awards category. I guess this brings us now to, to double digits. I think we have like 12 categories you can That's vote on right. now. That's uh, right. So every week we're, we're doing two new ones and uh, counting down to the big Eddie Awards Can't wait. Uh, coming up in It's going to be a fabulous, a fabulous event. Should be fun. Uh, star-studded. Uh, <laughs> uh, so None of that is true. Uh, if you do download us on uh, on your iTunes app, make sure you give us a little rating, a review. Yeah, uh, you know, let people know what you think of the show. And you know what? Just because we've been talking about this yeah. over and over again, like, hey, you know, go there, rate us, review us. I'd like to to share. How, do you want you want to share one Let's of the do reviews? It. Yeah. What are people saying about us? All right, Joe? Joel, give me a number from one to five. Mm, how about three? Number three. Smack dab there in the middle. This one was written by Hop2099, mm. titled Great Fun and Usually Fair Movie Breakdowns. <laughs> okay. This is a five-star review. Yeah. Joel and Joe do an almost shot-by-shot analysis of a wide spectrum of movies of varying quality. Camera angles, dialogue quality, direction, acting, and every other facet is examined and weighed on its own merits. Fact. What went right? What went wrong? Were the critical reviews too harsh? Were they too kind? Also, each episode is chock full of spoilers, so if you <laughs> care about that, watch the movie first. <laughs> I found it's actually more enjoyable to watch the movie first uh-huh. than listen, so you can see if you agree or disagree or just laugh along with them. Sage advice. By from... Hop2099. Hey, Hop2099. Thank you so much. Hey, Hop2099 for, for posting that review. Uh, we're going to send you out a free t-shirt. Yes. So uh, if you will uh, message us on Facebook uh, with your with handle your, and your, your actual, actual name identity. and address, we'll send you out a t-shirt and also your t-shirt size. size. Yeah, that might be important. And for those of you who didn't review us, um, not promising a t-shirt to everyone who reviews, but if you wanted to flat out buy one, they're on the website still. So yeah. uh, they make great uh, stocking stuffers for Christmas. That's right. And uh, and thank you so much for going and giving us the review and the rating. Uh, so we will check back in with you with more of our favorite things next week mm-hmm. with Joel Bernson's pick <laughs> with Home Alone. Thank you for listening, Jeff. Thank you very much, sir. Joel, always a pleasure. Uh-huh. Go enjoy Love Actually. And uh, guys, we'll catch you next week. Thanks. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.